This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Ragus and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Ragus. Alongside me, as always, my co-host, Jim Williams. What's going on, Jim? Not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, good afternoon and a pleasant Wednesday afternoon to you, wherever you may be. Don't mind me. I'm enjoying a delicious Farmer John's hot dog. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, the Dodgers play this afternoon, and I will enjoy every bit of the game. I'll be describing everything under a blue canopy with a few fair-weather lambs in the sky. All right, that's enough. You're less than a man. Hey! <laughs> Watch it now. Fiscally, it's not a crumb bum lush. Uh, Frank Rizzo making a surprise appearance here in 24 uh, Frank, Sports R- Frank Rizzo could chime in whatever he wants to because he is the real, in the words of Shiki Baby. Uh, we have a lot to get to. We have a, a Monday night game to recap. We have a couple of baseball games to uh, recap, including a series that entering today may be over by the end of the day. And uh, we'll talk about that. A lot of NBA news, a lot of association news uh, on the court and off the court. And uh, this just in, we're going to talk Redskins, I mean, Washington professional football team again. But we can't do it without you. Well, we can, but we'd rather have your input, you see. That's how this whole thing works. Uh, We we invite you to uh, join our chat room. If you go to the show page at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash 24-7 sports hub, because not everybody listens on the show page. Some people have their own separate players or whatever that they listen to us from. Go there, log in, get an account. Boom, you're in the chat room with me, with John, with our main man from Sports Blaga, uh, New England 24-7, my main man, John Leary Jr. Uh, you can also call us at any time. Be dialing people, 347-237-5373. That's 347-237-5373. And, of course, you can click the little S, which stands for Skype. If you have Skype, it'll open everything up, and you can just you can just talk to us. Reach out and touch us, damn it. Reach yeah. out and touch someone. Is that code? No, it's not. Okay, just making sure. Well, as you said, we do have a lot of things to talk about, so let's jump into it, and let's recap Monday Night Football in a little bit of a shocker here, because we honestly thought the Indianapolis Colts were going to win and be 5-1, and one. but instead they are now 4-2, and two, thanks to Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers knocking them off 19-9. But the real story with this game was the kicker battle between Adam Vinatieri and Nick Novak. Yes, everybody loves a good kicker's duel. Said nobody ever. But Vinatieri made a 51-yard field goal. Novak hit a 50-yard field goal. Both were perfect. Vinatieri 3-for-3. Three three. Nick Novak, 4-for-4. Four four. So if you're a soccer fan, you actually really enjoyed this game, quite frankly. A uh, couple other sidebars with San Diego's victory by a final score of 19-9 to in what can only be described as a meh-to-ugly game. Rivers played a clean game, completing two-thirds of his passes for 237 and a touchdown. But the man he threw to most, some guy you may not have on your fantasy lineup, but you might want to... Put a little, oh, oh, on one of them, he's my main man, Keenan Allen. Nine grabs, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he showed up and showed up big. Good good acquisition by Jimmers here on the waiver wire. 
Ryan Matthews ran for 22 carries and 102 yards. So he did his part. Conversely, people are wondering with Indianapolis, well, is Trent Richardson going to be the answer? So far, the answer is um, no. A shocking carries. Though. 10 carries, 40 yards, and that's about the size of it. He averaged four yards a carry, which is fine, but they just don't give him the chance. They don't give him the rock enough. Mm. Uh, Reggie Wayne, the leading receiver, five grabs, 88 yards, and luck through 18 of 30, 202, and a pick. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it was what you said originally. It was a field goal duel. I mean, yeah, Rivers with the only touchdown uh, passing in the game. Um And now the Colts head into the marquee matchup of this coming weekend against... Payton. And you wonder how everything's going to break down. We're going to talk more about Payton in just a minute. Yep. But let's go to the other side for a second again. The Chargers now are 3-3, three and three, which I don't know that a lot of people expected at this point. There are a lot of teams out there that are about 3-3 three and three right now, and fans didn't expect it from those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers started off the season with a bang. He's still playing fairly good. 14 touchdowns, 5 interceptions on the year for a 108.7 rating. But we always knock the running game. And what happened yesterday, uh, excuse me, Monday night, the running game was in full effect. Ryan Matthews, 22 carries, 102 yards. You know what? If they could consistently have a running game like this, who knows what their record would have been right now. True. I, I, you're absolutely right. It's something to look at. It's something to look at. And, you know, the, are the Chargers a legitimate po- – well, let me rephrase this. Given the state of the division they're in, mm-hmm. Can you make a case for the Chargers being uh, a contender for a wild card spot right now? I think the answer is no. You know what? Because of the division they're in, I would say no. But you know, what are we going to get from them on an any given day? You know, it, you know, Denver needs to lose. Kansas City needs to lose. Other than that, I mean, I just don't see them making it. So, and honest to goodness, with both teams, and I, I may be a bit of a hypocrite when we make our picks Friday. The only time I could see Kansas City, at one of those two teams, Kansas City or Denver, losing is when they face each other in about three or four weeks. That seems the most realistic time for one, of, obviously, for one of them to, to have their first loss. Yeah, I mean, you can make a you can make a case Denver against Indianapolis will be a tougher game than you might think. But if they have no running game, I don't think it's that that easy, uh, that hard of a game to call. Quite frankly, you know, look, it's 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 going to be a good game. I, I I still honestly think that Denver could overpower. Kansas City, uh, but you know we'll see what happens, man. It's been a uh, it's been a fun season so far, a very surprising one as well. So yes, indeed. But but we all we all went even on our picks because we all picked the same. Yeah, yeah. So, we 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 went even. We're now tied on the season with a record of fifty six and thirty five. Still better than the people who are so called experts. In I agree, man. We went ten and four again. I think that's the second straight week. We went no, we went ten and five uh, the week before. So. Oh, yeah. you went ten to five. I went eight and seven. Oh, I'm the real. Don't don't bring me down to your level, man. Here we go again. Here we go again. Uh, but let's take a look at Thursday night's game. Five oh, point yeah. Seattle Seahawks heading down south to take on the three and three Arizona Cardinals. Who do you got in this matchup? <sighs> this is oh, it's a tough one. It's tougher than you think. You're absolutely right because Bruce Arians has coached this Arizona team up to be respectable. And they're a respectable team. That being said, I'm going to go with Seattle, and it's going to be a squeaker. It's going to be an ugly game because, first of all, Thursday night games, by their general nature, are ugly games. Short weeks, primetime lights. These teams are not ready to go. Which gives Arizona a good chance here. 
it gives it, it, that's why I say it's going to be a close game because Arizona's got got a fighting chance because of a short week, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, but Carson Palmer's going to throw picks. He's, you know he's going to. The question becomes, what Russell Wilson do you get? Do you get the Russell Wilson who will throw for 150 yards or one who throws for 250 and a couple of touchdowns? Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to think you're going to get something in between there, and Marshawn Lynch is going to have to carry the load. I'm going to give Seattle the win, but it's probably going to be a three- to six-point win. Yeah, I'm not too uh, enthusiastic about the rushing uh, over in Arizona. I think this is going to be a game that Marshawn Lynch could really own. I'm picking Seattle as well. Yeah, so so great minds think alike, or at least you think along the lines of a great mind. There you go. Just for you, man. Yeah, my main man. Well, let's get into a couple of stories now here. We were just talking earlier about Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. Well, guess what? Jim Irsay, yes, the guy who was behind Peyton Manning for so many years with the Indianapolis Colts, came out with, uh, with now Denver Broncos head coach John Fox, calls a cheap shot. As he says, uh, you know, he was a little disappointed that they only won one Super Bowl during the Peyton Manning era in Indianapolis, also taking a shot at Manning's uh, tendency to put up huge numbers during the season and then to disappear in the playoffs. John Fox coming out saying that he saw the comment, and to be honest, he thought it was a bit of a cheap shot. To me, in my own opinion, they were disappointing and inappropriate, end quote. He goes on to say, you know, Peyton's probably thinking the same thing, won't come out and say anything because he's a class act. And we all know Peyton Manning is a classy guy, so he probably doesn't even care about it. Mm-hmm. But, Jim, do you think this was a cheap shot by Jim Irsay since he made a lot of money off of Peyton Manning? Uh, in a word, yeah. It absolutely is. Now, think about this. And we can even draw the parallel with Manning's first year in Denver. One player a team does not make. Yes, the quarterback's the most important player on your team. Nobody questions that. But you take a look at the fact that Manning in his first year in Denver couldn't lead him to a Super Bowl. Okay? Because he didn't have all the parts he needed to field a championship competitive team. Absolutely. So they added some parts, Wes Welker among the many, in Denver in the offseason, and now they look like a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing in Indianapolis. Yes, there was a good core in place, but not all the working parts were in place. That falls on Ursay, not so much on Manning. Okay, you want to look at somebody who should be, uh, you know, reviled, if you will, or thrown under the bus about how you only won one championship? Ursay, look in the damn mirror, okay? That's on you. That's on you not giving Manning and his working parts the proper parts and the proper players in place to make things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they, they've always had a terrible defense in Indianapolis, in, in, in my uh, you know Agreed. opinion. I, I never liked what they had. Plus, at that time, who did he have behind him? He had Dominic Rhodes, Joseph Adai. He had a, a down-and-out Marvin Harrison. Dallas, you know, Dallas Clark, I, I honestly don't think he put up a monster season that year anyway. No, he didn't. You know, Reggie Wayne was just up and coming. You know, and uh, basically he leaned on Dominic Rhodes and Joseph had died during that Super Bowl win against the Chicago Bears. And look, you know, Peyton, uh, you know, only threw for one touchdown in that game. It was a, uh, it was a tough game from both sides. But right. He guess what? He still brought a Super Bowl to Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, and like John Fox said, he goes, you know, like most, he said he, I would be thankful for that Super Bowl ring because a lot of people don't even have one. Well, exactly. You're absolutely right. But all this is is to try to drum up the fan base. 
oh, no to rile them it. up no question for this it. weekend's game. And you know what? The overwhelming majority of people don't need to be riled up for this game. They're going to do everything they can for Payton. They're going to have a nice little uh, token of appreciation ceremony, so on and so forth. As well they should, because he is the reason that franchise has stayed where they are. They could have had the Mayflower van move again, if not for Peyton Manning being drafted in the late 90s and the success that he and the core group had. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's uh, it's bunkum. It's bunkum. I it's, mean, seriously, uh, you know, just, uh, listen, this was a guy who was the franchise of the Colts for so many years. He even told the Colts to draft Andrew Luck not to pass up on him because he said, hey, I'm getting old. I'm exactly. getting old. He was straight up. He's a 12-time Pro Bowler, a four-time MVP. He won, you know, countless awards and titles with the Indianapolis Colts. It is a cheap shot, no doubt, no, no question about it. And I give a lot of props to John Fox for coming out and uh, protecting his quarterback. Stand by your man, Timmy Wynette style. Stand by your man. Oh, that's a, that's a very pitchy, dog. But seriously, another aspect, if if Peyton Manning and his core were in place, say, 20 years earlier in the 80s in the American Football Conference, they would have at least gone to more Super Bowls. Think about it. The time that Manning got good was exactly the same time the Patriots got good. And, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, you know, you have two elite caliber teams facing each other. It's just the luck of the draw at that point. It's a coin flip. And it just so happened those most of those uh, meetings went in favor of the Patriots. Yeah. You know, it's also strength of opposition is what I'm trying to get oh, at, absolutely. too. Absolutely. So. so basically all we have to say is, yes, Jim Irsay, you are pretty much a moron. Uh, he is the douche nozzle of the day. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's like you know Bill Belichick coming out and knocking Tom Brady for only winning a, a few championships for him. After he no. seriously, I, I mean, you know, Peyton Manning. I mean, just because he doesn't have the rings doesn't make him any worse than Tom Brady. Tom Brady has had a lot of weapons over his career. Peyton mm-hmm. Manning hasn't. Now you can see what a Peyton Manning could do with weapons because he is spreading that ball out everywhere. And to competent receivers. So. May, I mention, may I also mention from the chat room our buddy John Leary Jr. going bold prediction on us. Oh, yeah. Saying the Colts will beat the Broncos this weekend. You think it's a, an overwhelming wild pick. I'm not so sure it's – I think it's more – it's not a pick game, but I think it's, it's a game that could go either way. Uh, I think it could. Uh, depends on what type of uh, Indianapolis Colts team we get. Uh, after that loss to San Diego, I don't know. You know, to, you know, to me that was a game for them to win. So, yeah. If they exactly. drop a game like that, and Denver's not dropping any games, that's what makes it uh, more of a Broncos choice for me. So, fair enough. Let's get into a little story here. Once again, bringing up the whole Washington Redskins name and. Uh, 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 Washington professional football team. The Washington professional football team. Either way, I think this is going <laughs> to kind of go with my uh, douchebag of the week here. Well, uh, well, consider the source. It is PETA. It, exactly. I'm not a fan of PETA. I think they suck, and the people of PETA suck. But I do, like, I do like when they have hot women uh, pose nude. Well, most people do. Well, most, most, most men do. Some lesbians do as well. But let's get into this. So PETA... Yes, the people for the ethical treatment of animals are jumping in on the argument between the Washington Redskins and, I guess, the people of the Native American culture, saying that they are encouraging the Washington Redskins to keep their name and to also adopt a potato as their mascot. From PETA.org. And I hate to give them any type of advertising, but seriously, morons. 
Here we go. The red-skinned potato would be a noble mascot for a variety of reasons. Potatoes are also Native Americans, having been cultivated and improved for the millennia. A tasty, versatile animal and environmentally friendly vegan staple, potatoes are now the most popular vegetable in the U.S., loaded with nutrients including vitamin, potassium, uh, excuse me, iron, potassium, vitamin C, fiber, and even protein, and red potatoes in particular are high in antioxidants. Take that, cheeseheads. Yes. PETA wants the Redskins to get rid of the Native American and make the red potato the basis of their team. Terrible. Well, they got what they wanted out of this. They got free publicity. Congratulations. Of course, this would be perfect if this was Idaho. Mm -hmm. It, It really would be. But come on, stop the pain, in the words of vintage Michael Cole. Stop the freaking pain. I... I, I love what you just sent me right here. Yeah, and let me let me tell you what I just sent you. Right Yahoo here. about a week ago uh, had uh, an article up. It was written by Jay Busby of Shutdown Corner, talking about possible new designs for what would be a revamped Washington Redskins team uh, with a new name and what have you. Uh, one and it's pretty much a bunch of people having fun with Photoshop and trying a few things out, like the Washington Warriors, something love that it. pays tribute to the uh, to the military, which is kind of a cool idea. Love it. Uh, and some of these logos look infinitely better than the current Redskins logo. Uh, one that's the Washington Renegades that keeps a variation of the stylized R and the alternate Redskins logo, and uh, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, some call the Washington Griffins, and that's too My Little Pony-like, but it looks kind of nice. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't look like a G for Griffin. It looks like a freaking seahorse. But I understand what you're saying. I mean... There are so many different ways they're going to go with this, and, and the more I hear about it, and the more Bob Costas opens his mouth, and people, the President of the United States open their mouth, and so on and so forth, the more I'm going to say to myself, they're going to change the name inevitably. I, I think it's only a matter of time. I, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be upset if they did a franchise overhaul. I, I think, honestly, it might be in the best nature for them to do it right now. I mean, listen, here's a team that's been around for 81 years, has won three Super Bowls, but basically they only won them in a little short span of time from, uh, I believe, 82, 82 to 87 and 91, correct? Well, yeah, yeah, the 82 to 92 span, three, three chips. So there you go. So a 10-year span in an 81-year history, why not? Listen, I understand the fans love the Redskins name. They want the Redskins name to stand forever, blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you, if you look at this Washington Renegades and these Washington Warriors designs and even the names alone and what they would honor, I love it. Well, that and plus I'm surprised the PETA people didn't go after the fact that the fan group, the biggest hardcore fan group of the Redskins, is the Hogettes. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, how could you have a bunch of pigs be your overwhelming mascot? That's offensive to piggies. I'm like, shut up. Hogettes. I, I, I love the Renegades and Warriors, man. I think that's such an awesome, awesome design, awesome, especially the Washington Warriors. I love that uniform design. I think that's really cool. And one of the other things that people have been joking about, and to which I say well-played fans, you really want to take the offensive thing out of the name right now? Take out the word Washington. Ooh. Given the government shutdown, given everything going on in politics, well-played indeed. That's what I like it over here. Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports right now. Uh, Washington Jacklegs has already been claimed by Congress. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, like the Washington Warriors, the Wa- uh, people would get behind this team no matter Absolutely. what. 
anybody, anybody who says, well, if they change the Redskins' name, we're going to boycott it. We're not going to boycott anything. Oh. We've heard that in so many sports, right? oh, we're going to boycott the NHL for another lockout. Well, guess what? They signed the deal. They came back months later, and they didn't lose any money. Well, in fact, they gained it, money. So It is a license to print money to go with a new name and a new logo and a new identity. It is a license to print money. Yeah. Don't, listen, don't get me wrong. You and I, we would be upset probably if they got rid of the Jets or the Eagles name and overhauled the franchise. Well, as you know, the Eagles are very offensive. Eagles are offensive. They're, you know, an endangered species. It's offensive to them. I'm just saying, God forbid, somebody bought the team and decided to do what they felt they could do with it. Whatever. We've seen it happen before with logo designs out of the blue and everything else. If they decided to change the name of the team, it's still our team. It's still the team we love. Who cares what the name is? If if, If it's the Redskins... Or the Warriors. To me, I'd rather be called the Warriors. But yeah, I think I think it's a cool. Well, and plus, Warriors. You know, it, it, it's more. It can refer to the Native American culture. Yeah. In a more respectful manner. I agree. I have, you know, so it, you had you your could pay homage to too. Native Americans. You could pay homage to our armed forces with that. Exactly. You can. It can be a multi-pronged thing. And plus, I'm a big fan of alliteration. So you've yeah. got WW there, like Philadelphia Phillies, like, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, that that sort of thing. I'm a big alliteration guy. I, I think it's cool. I, I honestly think, uh, you know, if, uh, what's his name, looked into all of this stuff and actually sat down and said, wow, okay, well, this is what we can do. And it could even but Dan Snyder's stuck in his ways, and he's running everything into the ground, whether it be... Uh, uh, whether it be the Redskins or Dick Clark Productions, which he had ownership of. Dick Productions. Yeah, he he ran that company into the ground. Trust me. All right, Jim, it's uh, time for a little MLB playoffs. Man, why don't you give us a rundown on what's going on? Well, I certainly will, kind sir. Smirk. As he, as he kills time to pull everything up, yes. Uh, since last we came to you Monday, uh, a couple of games have been played. So let's go to uh, game three of the NLCS first between the Cardinals and the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine Dodger Stadium, where I enjoyed a delicious Farmer John. Uh, it was uh, Ryukin, Ryukin time. Yes, as opposed to Hayukin, Hayukin, Tiger uppercut. Uh, the Dodgers. Held the Cardinals to four hits only in a three nothing win. Ryu was uh, the real. He went. Uh, he went. I believe the distance in that game. Let me bring up the box score so I properly can inform you. Uh, well, he went seven innings. He just surrendered three hits. Uh, the bullpen two innings of work, including Brian Wilson with the hold in the eighth inning with just one run given up. Uh, Yasiel Puig had a triple in the game because he's Yasiel Puig and it's Yasiel being Yasiel. Uh, kind of funny with Puig. Again, people don't want to make the comparison between Puig and Manny Ramirez. It's there, folks. Oh, big time. It's there. Because he did a bat flip after what he thought was a home run, but it went off the bullpen fence in right center, so he had to get on his horse, as it were, and he did leg out a triple standing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't score on that play, but uh, so it goes. Uh, The runs coming in the game in the fourth and eighth inning, respectively, uh, for the uh, for the Dodgers, so they won the first their first game of the series to make it a two one series differential. Uh, heading into last night's game four, in which the St. Louis Cardinals pretty much did the deed. Uh, Matt Holliday had been over twenty two at Dodger Stadium. He had been held hitless in the NLCS. Way to break out of that slump. He powered a three run third inning with a two run home run. 
And uh, that pretty much stood till late. Yasiel Puig uh, helped LA threaten, but the Cardinals were victorious. Uh, Lynn getting the win for St. Louis 4-2 to two, to take a three games to one series lead. Game five this afternoon at 4 p.m. Cardinals can clinch it. Uh, on the mound for Los Cardinales will be Joe Kelly. No record in the postseason with an ERA at three. But keep in mind, Kelly in the regular year was very good on the road in 61 innings. Five and one with an ERA just a shade over two. Mm. He's opposed by Zach Granke, who uh, has a 2.25 ERA in the postseason. Got a no decision back in game one. He allowed two runs over eight innings of play. Uh, in the postseason, though, he has a career ERA over four, as about 4.7. But uh, he had a great regular season for Los Angeles. It's a do-or-die game. And uh, one of the other aspects of the series, Hanley Ramirez injured himself in Game 4, likely not going to be playing in this game this afternoon. Let's go to the American League now, where we recap uh, what happened between Boston and Detroit, as I call them. Don't hate, they are Detroit. Detroit, be good. Stop me if you've heard this one. Pitcher's duel. In uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Pitcher's duel? Really? John Lackey, let me say first. I did not expect John Lackey to ever pitch like this ever again. <laughs> Six, yeah, uh, mar- modern marvel with the uh, situation with uh, the Tommy John surgery and everything, and where he was, you know, in his mid-30s when he got the surgery, exactly. You questioned him being able to, to do it again, but he did. A combined shutout pitch by uh, Lackey in the bullpen. Uh, Lackey goes six and two-thirds uh, in the shutout victory over Justin Verlander, who pitched himself a game as well fanning 10 and 8 innings, but Boston needed just one run and got it. They win one nothing in, in a quick game, uh, more or less. Uh, the uh, Tigers losing one nothing, so uh, Boston takes the advantage two games to one in that series. Oh, by the way, uh, that game three yesterday afternoon, marred in the second inning because of a power outage. I think it was Roger Goodell that did it. Well, no, you mean Bud Selig in this case. <laughs> so, But they had to stop the game for 17 minutes. So keep in mind, this is middle of the afternoon in Detroit. Okay? I, 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 power was knocked out to the entire stadium. The truck, the, the uh, television trucks got knocked off, and the whole kid and caboodle, whoop-de-tinkle. But, uh, you know, come on, this is 2013. What the hell is going on here? I mean, really, it's just, uh, come on now. I would have just minutes. played the game. Well, yeah, but we, well, no TV. We can't have that happening now. You were saying, and we were talking about this before the show, too many media trucks out there and so on and so forth, and I say bunk them to that. It's 2013. You've got solar power uh, in some of the stadiums. You've got enough energy. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. Uh, the one run coming in uh, in that uh, game uh, yesterday was in the seventh inning. I'm pulling up the box score. Can't you tell, folks? On a Mike Napoli home run to left center field, that was the lone mistake for Justin Verlander. I mean, it, it was a case study of two great pitchers, and one just pitched ever so slightly better than the other. And that's the difference. And that's been the microcosm of this series. You look at the scores. one nothing in Game 1. one nothing in Game 3. The 6-5 game was a little bit of an anomaly. And now Game 4 of the series, tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox. And uh, the probable's going in that fourth game 
for the Red Sox versus the Tigers. The Red Sox and Jake Peavy to the mound, who will be making his first postseason, or uh, I take that back, his second postseason start. He had a no decision uh, in Game 3 against the Rays. He gave up just one run over five and two-thirds innings. He's opposed by everybody's favorite last name starter, Doug Fister. Pitched seven shutout innings against the Red Sox back on uh, Labor Day. And, uh, you know, Fister's a good uh, stop-down guy, and he may be the weak part of the Tigers' pitching rotation, which does not say much. He is very solid. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you've got some good baseball coming up tonight and uh, this afternoon. Cardinals can clinch in Los Angeles, while the Tigers will look to even the series at two apiece at Comerica Park. And if there's a power outage, oh, boy. Uh, another another fine sidebar uh from this, Aaron Andrews threw Jim, uh, manager Jim Leland under the bus yesterday. Uh, during the power outage, she's reporting from the dugout, looking fine as always, shucky ducky quack quack, and she's got the case of the giggles because she sees Jim Leland because the power's out, nobody's going to mind anything, and Jim Leland lights up a cigarette in the dugout. Hey, why not? Yeah, and Aaron Andrews called him out for doing so, and she you know, just come on, Aaron, come on, EA. Well, You're somebody petty. had to see him do it, right? So why not Aaron Andrews? Yeah, my pet peeve is she shouldn't be covering baseball. She she doesn't do it regularly. Let Kenny Bowtie Rosenval do it, and everything will be right with the world. <laughs> Kenny Bowtie. That's or, Archie or Schwartz's put, put, illegitimate child. Or you know what? Put in put in one of the MLB Network people who cover it. I mean, you have the pregame show run by MLB. So. Got my boy Harry Reynolds up there. Harold Reynolds, you laugh. He is probably going to be the replacement for Tim McCarver next season. In the booth, which I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I love Harold Reynolds. Let me tell you, man. I'm more of a Dan Plesak kind of guy. I like yes. Harold Reynolds. I think it was a shame what happened over at ESPN and their base. HR with HR oh, problems? Yeah. So, But uh, there you go. I know you have a couple other things you want to bring in in baseball, including something in regards to the Red Sox, so I'll let you go ahead. Well, we got into this uh, with the return of Nelson Cruz after his suspension, and we kind of, you know, we went both ways. We played devil's advocate on it, and then we also told, you know, spoke about what we were thinking about. Okay, so here comes a guy off of a suspension, fresh, energetic. What if he is the reason that Texas Rangers uh, goes on in a wild card? Um, or because he wasn't playing, he's going to suck and go 0 for 5, which he did. Now we got the report here that several Red Sox are upset because Johnny Peralta is getting to play in the ALCS after his PED uh, suspension. Peter Gammon's coming out saying that, you know, there are several players who complained privately about it, wondering what may remain in his body. Um, Gomes spoke out about it, saying it is what it is. We all play by the rules, and he is playing by the rules, so go out and play. But Johnny Gomes is the same guy who spoke out when Alex Rodriguez was able to play after his suspension. So, do you think the Red Sox have something to gripe about here, Jim? Do you think postseason play should be taken away from these players as part of the punishment? Do you think it's okay that they get suspended for 50 games and are able to come back to play in in the best stage of baseball, which is the postseason? What do you think about this? Keep in mind, the Red Sox are leading in the series, ladies and gentlemen, as we talk to you on a on a Wednesday afternoon. I think post- well, they should have a good series, though, too. I think that's... He be- is. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, if I was master and ruler of the baseball world, I would keep them out for the postseason. I would, you know... Being able to come back off a of suspension and rewarding them by saying, hey, you can play in the postseason, that's a double-edged sword, and that's kind of a double standard to me. I think you keep them out for the postseason 
as well. I, I think the Red Sox have a legitimate gripe, uh, believe it or not. Uh-huh. Yes, the performance enhancing drugs and what have you, they can maybe make you hit a ball farther. Uh, they maybe can do this, that, or the other, but you still have to see the ball the same way. You still have to uh, have various mechanics the same way, yeah. uh, regardless. But I, I'm with you. I'm with uh, the Red Sox in this instance. I, I mean, you know, it's not like Peralta was injured and he's coming back and getting to play the postseason. Everybody said, "Oh, that's so great that he's able to come back." Yeah, yeah if he was injured, that's yeah. one thing. But this yeah. is—he cheated the game in the final. You know, he cheated the game. He should pay the price, and that includes the postseason. Yeah. I think they should make an addendum. If it's a if it's an end of season or you know in season uh, suspension, it's X number of games plus any postseason games the team may face. I think that that I think that drops it right there and that ends the story. No. But no, that's not going to happen. We no. will, we need a little bit of controversy, as uh, Eminem once said. Well, I'm, so uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it more. We're going to as the, the deeper this series gets and. Uh, you know, it's a valid. It, I mean, if we're going to say we shouldn't see Nelson Cruz show up, we can't say, "Oh, it's great to see Johnny Peralta." We gotta, we gotta, you know, keep it, you know, on the up and up. No, I agree. Season. I also believe that, you know, what? Even if he was suspended for fifty games and came back for the regular season, I think postseason play should be part of that punishment, and it should be stiffer. So, absolutely, I, it should be an addendum to it. It should be, you know, fifty games plus. If your team gets to the postseason, let, let, let's say. If your team gets, if your suspension's right to the end of the season, you don't go in the postseason, or within X number of games within the start of the postseason, before the start of the postseason. Like, if the suspension started uh, 50 games in, say, June or July, you still don't get to play the postseason. If it's at the beginning of the season and you actually have a, you know, half a season to your belt clean, then maybe you can. Uh, even then, it's still a little murky. Yeah, but uh, let me tell you. It's a mess. It's a mess. Let's uh, let's talk a little NBA. We got the NBA. It's going to be starting up within the next couple of weeks. We do have preseason going on, but we got a lot of NBA news today, which is uh, which is interesting. Oh, it's fun, you know. Yeah. And we're talking about uh, <laughs> you can play a mod soundboard because uh, we're talking about the Black Cat indeed. Yeah, Black Cat, MJ, Michael Jordan, my main man. There he is. <laughs> and we're talking about him twice in two stories here. Oh, my main man. The first one is, you know, I, I just, to me, it's like it's enough, enough already. You know, just be done with it. ESPN's Chris Broussard uh, has an article in the uh, NBA preview of ESPN magazine, and he's talking to LeBron James. And, of course, he's asking LeBron James questions about who's this, who's that, who's great, are you better, what could you do, blah, blah, blah. It comes down to the question of if LeBron James wishes he had more of a relationship with Michael Jordan. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading his answer to this, and I'm, and I'm going to throw it out here right now. He says, ah, I mean, I don't know. That's a trick question. I do. I do at times. You know, he's somebody who I looked up to, and I've never had a conversation with him about the game. I would love to sit down with him and just know exactly what he was going through and know what was on his mind frame throughout all of his special years, throughout his pains, you know, not being able to get past Detroit and overcoming Detroit or asking him, why did you retire? What made you come back? What made you come back again? You know, everything that we all think we know, just kind of having a sit-down conversation with him. And then I would also like to hear him talk to me about me. You know, I'd like to know what he thinks about my game and ways I can get better. He probably thinks he could beat me one-on-one right now. 
I know he probably thinks that. I know MJ definitely thinks he can beat me one-on-one right now, end quote. So we go to him talking about how he'd love to sit down with MJ to talk about his career and have MJ talk to him about his career. But here we go again with, I think he could beat me. I, I think he thinks he could beat me in one-on-one. What the hell does it have to do with anything? Again, you know. To me, it makes no sense. When you have, when you have a guy, and, and we're talking two guys here with humongous egos. I mean, egos are at play. That's what this comes down to. And LeBron has to always get that one little one-upsmanship thing. He's the best. He is the standard. The- and that's what this is. Uh, and, and you know what? But, but he's not wrong. MJ would think he can beat LeBron James one-on-one. And you know what? At 50 years old, he probably could. I really think he could. One on one's a lot different when it's you know what when it's not five on five. It really is. It's, exactly one on one. I can yeah. beat my father playing make it take it. Okay, whoop de doo. But I, that doesn't mean I'm going to start in the NBA. Have you seen what I look like? Yes, you have. Thank you very much. Don't say anything more. Well, you know here here goes my thing. If you're going to beat somebody one on one, then LeBron James should have did a lot more in Cleveland. Uh, very well said. You're exactly right. This is you know Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. Had Luke Longley, had Steve Kerr, had B.J. Armstrong. He had a supporting cast. Same with Kobe. Kobe didn't win those rings by himself. He had a great, great supporting cast. He was especially... nothing. He didn't win Jack and Squad until Shaq came in. Exactly. So you know what? You got to have a supporting cast. Guess what? LeBron goes to Miami. He's got Chris Bosh now. He's got Dwayne Wade. He's got Mike Miller. He's got Ray Allen. He's Bird got Man. You know. You gotta have a cast to win these championship rings. Michael Jordan, yes, phenomenal player, the greatest of all time. There's no question about it. But guess what? He had a cast around him. Same thing like those great Celtics teams of the '80s. It wasn't just Larry Bird. It was, it was Robert Parrish. It was Dennis Johnson. It was Kevin McHale. Come on. Yeah. And well, know? exactly. And again, the second half of the quote is vintage LeBron James. I, that he wants to hear him talk about me, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it shows that he wants to be braggadocious. He wants to hear MJ say, you know what, I'm hot bleep, okay? That's what he wants to say. You're the greatest. He, he, he wants, he wants a, you know, for lack of better terms, it to be a circle jerk conversation. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it comes off as to me. And you know he's not going to be that way. I mean, MJ will give him his credit, but he's going to say, you know what, you're not the greatest of all time. You're not as great as you think you are. Talk to me when you win six championships. Not even Talk- that, though. I'm sorry. You know what? Championships are not. LeBron James is not better than Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, God, no. In his era. He's not better than George Mikan in his era. Well, uh, hello, Wilt Chamberlain, and I've said this enough times on this show, Wilt Chamberlain caused rule changes to be made. He was they, a monster. He, he, he had them completely reshaped the court, for lack of better terms, because of how dominant he was as a center. He reinvented the game as we know it, Will Chamberlain did. As great as Michael Jordan is, he didn't reinvent the game in that way. No, no. He didn't make, you know, the lane become what it is today. That's Wilt. Yeah. So when people talk about Wilt versus Michael or whatever, you know, you got to give credit to Wilt in that respect. He changed the game, revolutionized the game. It just so happens that, you know... Michael was in the perfect storm situation when cable television was becoming a big thing. More butts were watching the N- more more eyeballs rather were watching the NBA than ever before uh, with the, the television coverage. And at that time, the finals were actually live. It didn't. It wasn't until the 1980s when they regularly showed the entire final series live, coast to coast, yeah. because of the NBA and its 
even back in the 70s, you remember seeing the videos of the fights every other game in the association. Uh, you know, it was it was like part basketball, part WWE going to an NBA game in the 60s and 70s sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going back to LeBron, it's all about him stroking his ego and trying to get, you know, acceptance from the Godfather, really. That, that's what this comes down to to me. Like and, I said... Yeah. You know, Le- you know, LeBron is going to be one of the greats of the game. There's no question, no question. about it. But, but guess what? There's 50 to 60 more greats of the game. It doesn't make him the greatest. There's guys like Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, even Magic, Magic Johnson Bird. that I would put up before him. Larry Bird is so on and so forth. Bill Russell, for God's sake. Oh, Bill Russell is is an icon. Come nobody on, you know. More, nobody has won more championships as a player than Bill Russell. Not even that. If they kept real stats like they do today, He's especially on the defensive end, Bill Russell would have would have easily been in the top three. Absolutely, of course. No question about it. But because of that, he's in the top five. So right, and, and really back then it wasn't the art form statistical analysis as it is today. So no, no, everything's relative. That's on a lot of things back then. So it's, and, and, and it's interesting. I mentioned Bill Russell. When you look at you know, when, it, when you're looking for a go-to legend these days, if you're the NBA, the first name you call is Bill Russell. Oh, no doubt about I mean, it. I mean, when the MVP award, or when the, uh, rather, uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy is being handed out, mm-hmm. they let Bill Russell do it. Yeah. When there's a documentary, they let Bill Russell be a part of it because he is the last of the, of the early era of basketball who's really with us, who is name recognition, who automatically gets respect everywhere he goes. Yeah. LeBron James can only wish he did that. Oh, no question about it. You know, and, you know. But then look, you look at Bill Russell as well. If he didn't have guys like John Havlicek next to him, would he have won championships? That's the thing. It's 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 he might have well, given, given the association back then, he might have, but not nearly as many as he did. No, no, no. But it was all right. You know what, man? Because you know what, you had, you had those great battles between him and Wilt, man. That's the thing. You know, and so that's the thing also with Will Chamberlain. Yeah. As great as he was, he only won. One championship in Philadelphia, 1967, among those uh, arguably the greatest NBA team of the 20th century. But it took a number of moving parts around him. And, of course, he had, you know, more success when he joined the Lakers in the late 60s, early 70s. Again, with enough moving parts, with the Jerry Wests of this world around him and what have you. Yeah, absolutely, man. There was a lot of good players on that 72 Lakers team. So let's talk. Let's talk more, MJ. Black Cat, my main man. My main man. Because the Memphis Grizzlies owner, Robert Perra, youngest owner in the league, he's 35 years of age. That's kind of scary. Cool. He, he has uh, major onions in the words of Bill Raftery. Because he wants, I mean, he, he, he's okay at hoops. Okay, he keeps himself in decent shape. Good for him. He put out a video saying that he could beat just about any owner in the league in a game of one-on-one. <laughs> Here, here lies the problem. Uh, Michael Jordan's the owner of the Bobcats, so he is pretty much saying, you know, if you play the six degrees of separation game, he can beat Michael Jordan in a game of one-on-one. Well, Mark Cuban has called him out on it, as has MJ. Um, you know, and, and they took to Twitter going back and forth on that. Para tweeting, in fact, if we are talking an owner game, get me MJ. I'll up the charity contribution to a million. Uh, I guess that means a million dollars, one mm. Yeah. Um. So, what do you make of this? You know what? This is kind of a point I was going to make earlier on the whole LeBron James thing as well. 
right. you're 35 years old, you're in the prime of your life, you're physically fit, you're talking to guys that are 50-plus years old, and only one was an actual basketball player in Michael Jordan. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know what? Let's go back to LeBron James. Now, a 28-year-old LeBron James in the prime of his career wants to eventually play one-on-one with a 50-plus-year-old Michael Jordan. We're not talking about Michael Jordan when he's 30 years old. We're talking about Michael Jordan 50 years old. Um, I'd hate to say this to Robert Parra, but you know what? I, I doubt, number one, Michael Jordan would even accept it. If he did, it would be a great charity event, no doubt about it. Maybe on All-Star Weekend would be really cool, game of 21. Um, I doubt Parra would even score one basket against Michael Jordan. It's not going to happen. Yeah, even at his advanced stage. He's a little and, dude, man. There's nothing to Robert Parra. So. Yeah. I, I honestly think at my with with my knees right now, I could easily beat Robert Perrin one on one. So I could hold my own with Perrin. I'm not a basketball player by any means. He, he could play. I, you know what? I watched him. Uh, I watched something where he was playing somebody in one on one on on the Grizzlies practice court. One of the players. He could play. There's no question about it. But just because you could shoot the ball and you can run around doesn't mean you could beat somebody in one-on-one. So. I, take, I take slight umbrage with what you said that NJ wouldn't accept it. This is Michael Jordan we're talking about. He is the king of compulsive gambling, okay? Yeah. You dangle a carrot in front of him, he'll eat it to death. Okay? Yeah, but, oh, we're talking about if this money goes to charity. We're not yeah. talking about this money goes to Oh, come on. You know there could be a side bet. Anything could be a side bet. Anything could be arranged. I'm sure there could be. That, that and plus, the man has so much pride. When you have a baby go... A game of 11 at the Bobcats Grizzlies game? Halftime? Woo! Uh, but I like the uh, concept, like you said, All-Star Weekend. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, come on. If we can have Charles Barkley and Dick Pavetta have a match race, we can have this. <laughs> and <laughs> then Charles Barkley and Dick Pavetta smoochy smoochy it. So. Well, I don't know, man. I, I, I honestly would like to see Michael Jordan accept this and just show the world that he could still do it. Seriously. I, I really would. But oh, the, what a draw it would be. It would be an incredible draw. The last person who called that MJ in one-on-one was O.J. Mayo, a young O.J. Mayo, and O.J. Mayo got slapped around. Yeah, how, how'd that work out for you, bro? Three-year-old Michael Jordan, so, or yeah. before, something like that, but either way. You want to bring in a story here about uh, one of the great, great busts in recent memory, Dwight Howard. And I mean bust because he did jack and squat in Los Angeles. Yeah. Please do. This is a ridiculous, ridiculous story that I read this morning uh, over at uh, Lost That Sports Blog, uh, lostthatsportsblog.com. Check it out, really good story. Anthony Ramsey's writing this, saying that Dwight Howard is upset because the Orlando Magic did not retire his number 12 jersey and because they gave it to Tobias Harris. So let's read a couple of these quotes here from... Dwight Howard. I All right. Think... I just think that despite whatever happened, Go for it. there was a lot of things that I did and that we did as a team. And that number was special down there. And I was a little bit upset about that. Then he talked about his decision to leave Los Angeles after a season. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. Everybody's saying I was a coward for leaving and I knew I was going to get that. But I think with the situation, I had to do what was best for Dwight. Uh-oh. He, he mentioned himself like he's the rock in the third person. That's fun. I know when I wanted to leave Orlando, when I decided to stay, I wasn't happy on the inside. I wanted to please everybody else and ended up hurting a lot of people by doing it the way I did. So this time, it's like I had a second chance. That about him going to Houston. Okay. couple things here. Last time I checked, to have your number retired, wait for it, wait for it, 
you need to be retired. That's one thing, okay? Second of all, here's a guy in Dwight Howard who let's let's call a spade a spade. While he had a couple, while he had a good run in Orlando, nobody questions that. Yeah. His biggest claim to fame wasn't anything he did with the Magic. It was what he did in the slam dunk contest yeah. against Nate Robinson. Absolutely. That's his claim to fame. Yeah. That's that's all it is. So, there, and we talked about this pre-show. There are a couple of players who spent some time, some significant time with Orlando, who deserve to have their numbers retired ahead of Mr. Howard. Well, there is only one number retired with the Orlando Magic, and that's number six in honor of the fans as the sixth man. Yeah, you see them before, coming out to the games now? No, no, you don't. But before you do any, any numbers, especially Dwight Howard, Shaq's number 32. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hardaway's number one. Nick Anderson's number 25. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm talking about numbers I would retire before. Um, what's his name? Uh, you know, uh, Dwight Howard's number. I'm, I'm not right. just talking about, oh, you know what, these are the ones that deserve to be retired, which, of course, Shaq and Anthony Hardaway, I think, do down in Orlando. But and, I would do, you know, like I said, Nick Anderson's number 25. I would do Dennis Scott's number three in a second. Hell, I would even probably do Tree Rollins number 30. And, and you know what? You know how they have different players, uh, not, not just players, but broadcasters, executives honored, considering that he, he's gone through a lot and he helped make the Orlando franchise happen. I'd put yeah. Pat Williams up in the rafters, too. Oh yeah, no, I, no. I put I put something honoring him as an executive because he's done a, fin, a phenomenal job with the Magic as an executive. I think he's been battling cancer as of late. God God bless him. Yeah. Uh, he's done more for that franchise than Dwight Howard Dwight Howard ever could. So yeah, there get in line, Dwight is what we're trying to say. First of all, wait till your career is over. Second of all, we'll come back. We'll evaluate. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I would even throw up a couple of coaches up there. I mean, remember Chuck Daly. Coach Chucky, down yeah. there in Orlando. I mean, they had a, a you know they had some good coaches down there. So, you know, to me, this is a uh, you know this is a slap in the face to uh, people who played on the Orlando Magic. Uh, slap in the, in the face of the fans, really. In the past, I mean, no question about it. It's it's there's just a lot of things about it that irked me when I read it. Uh, sure. You know, Brian Hill. You know what? You know what? Another coach. Why don't you throw his name up there? You know, he, you know, he did some good things on some very bad. Orlando Magic teams. So, I put John uh, Lucas in the Raptors before I put Dwight Howard. Oh, wait, maybe not. Uh, that's a stretch. But, uh, but yeah, Dwight, get in line, okay? Get in line, take your place, know your role, shut your mouth. But see, but, but this goes with the whole thing of, you know, there's no respect for the people of the past anymore in these games, and, 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 it's, and it's concerning. So It very is. Very much is. Now, let's talk. Let's talk as we have about 10 minutes left in the show. You're still welcome to call in, folks. At three four seven, two three seven five three seven three, we've got the chat room going. A couple of guests in there uh, to actually chat in the chat room. You have to sign up for a free Blog Talk Radio account. It takes you maybe two minutes. Sign in through Facebook. You're good to go. Uh, let's talk about a guy who may just get paid before he even, he even steps foot on an NBA court, and that's of course Kansas incoming freshman Andrew Wiggins. Oh, it's a sign of the times. Here's a guy who's likely going to be the number one NBA draft pick whenever he's eligible to declare, which will be in a year or so, I think. Mm-hmm. And you've got Adidas all day, every day, a dream about Adidas. Well, they're prepared to offer him an endorsement deal as soon as he's draft eligible. According to uh, an industry source, 
This is going to be a deal worth between $140 and $180 million over the course of 10 years. And Nike is allegedly going to try to match that. Now, Wiggins, give you a little backstory. Six foot eight inches. You know, best high school prospect since LeBron James. And when LeBron came out, he had a $93 million shoe deal with Nike straight out of high school 10 years ago. So, you know, I guess this is adjusted for inflation properly. I don't know. But this speaks to what I have a major league problem with in, in, in basketball. Just the endorsements out the wazoo, and, and well, not even so much that, but the fact that we're so focused on players who may not even make it to the pros. I mean, you, you see it all the time, and you know, and ESPN is as guilty as anybody with their ESPN 150 stuff. Oh, oh, absolutely. They're looking at players ninth, tenth grade, and calling them the next this, the next that. And only for them to have a debilitating injury in college or high school, and then all bets are off. $180 million to Wiggins. Your thoughts? Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. I mean, here's a guy who, yeah, he might get drafted number one or even number two, maybe even number three, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a good NBA player. And here we go. We're going to throw a $180 million shoe deal at a guy who could possibly be not a good NBA player. I mean, this is like Nike going out and giving uh, $120 million to Darko Milicic when he was drafted number one. Just because they have good careers before coming into the NBA in college and high school or overseas does not mean it's going to translate to the NBA. I think that these players that are coming in and getting these types of endorsements aren't earning these endorsements. That's another thing that bothers me. What it comes down to is for every great player who plays in college basketball, there are dozens of others who are, and I'm not going to say this to call him out because he, 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 he managed to have a career in the NBA, but he wasn't the superstar he was in college, Christian Leitner. I mean, Christian Leitner was a role player at best in the NBA, and he didn't have a long career after he had a tremendous career at Duke. And we see this so often, great players in college – who come out now, especially one year or two years in, because uh, you know, now there's a mandate, I guess you have to be 20 or whatever. Well, I mean, Chris Elena had a pretty long career in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, but, it wasn't anything Would you, would you uh, say dynamite. he was a star? Would you say he was a star of the same wattage that he was in college? No. No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, Minnesota tried to bill him as well as Atlanta when they got him, but... You know, like Wally Zerbiak, he had a great career in college. What did he do? Nothing. No, you know, now, now he's on yeah. CBS Sports Network. Pushing yeah. up the daisies. But but that's what I'm saying. I mean, these guys are coming in not earning just because they had a good college career or a good, you know, I mean, you look at Christian Leitner's team at Duke. Look at the guys he had around him. Exactly. It was about the sum of the parts, and he yeah. was one cog in the wheel. A good cog in the wheel, but a cog in the wheel nevertheless. Exactly. And and, and, and because he was on the dream team, so you remember you have to realize that too. And, so. Yeah, okay, and, and that's all well and good, but again, a cog in the wheel. That's yeah. all it is. And it just, to me, just is the personification of how college basketball and pro basketball are two completely different beasts. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, you can be a great college basketball player, but that doesn't mean you can understand the nuances of the NBA game. It takes a while to get them down, whether it be the timing, whether it be the, uh, uh, the plays and the setting of the plays and running the plays and so on and so forth. It's a completely different animal. And in this day and age as well, where you have nobody, going four years in college to prepare themselves properly 
for the National Basketball Association. It just makes the jump even harder, in my opinion. So, uh, good luck with Wiggins. If he gets it, great. He'll be set for life. But again, just because he's set for life doesn't mean he's not prone to an injury or he's not prone to, you know, fall off the face of the earth, as it were. Um, it's just it's just one of those things. It, it just Stories like this kind of just, just just get to me. I don't know. It just takes you back. You know, it really does. It's uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, and there's no question about it. It's absolutely crazy. One other thing here, talking about the association. Sports Center, ESPN, just put a poll up. Uh, or they have a story about a poll, I should say. Uh, where they're saying, if you have a chance to have the last shot, okay, mm-hmm. you have one guy you can pick with the game on the line, who do you give the ball to? In today's NBA? Uh, all time. All time. Wow. I got a list, man, that I would give the ball to, honestly, with the last shot. But It's kind of ironic because according to this, I'll, I'll link you to it here in the uh, chat window, and I'll, I'll link it to all the beautiful people in the, in the chat on the show page because I think this is uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. Even though LeBron James, according to almost a quarter of the people polled, they think he's the best player in the history of the game when his career is over, hardly any of them would give him the rock with the game on the line. It's decidedly Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. Yeah. That speaks to where LeBron is is viewed. Well, because you know what, MJ and LeBron and uh, MJ and Kobe have made clutch shots in their career. I LeBron, mean, LeBron really yeah. hasn't, by yeah. comparison. I mean, honestly, I, I I'd give the ball to Reggie Miller before I gave it to LeBron. So. Oh, oh, absolutely. I might put Reggie Miller over Kobe. Yeah. I really might do that. Yeah. I wouldn't put him over Jordan. It's close. It's yeah, it's, closer it's, than you might think. It's close. There's a couple of guys I would give the rock to before LeBron James. So, uh, yeah, I would. So would you give much. it to Tom McCullough? I would give it to Tom McCullough. Matt Geiger as well. I showed you. I, I sent a video to you before the game, or before the show, rather, of my buddy Steve Bryant back when he was working at QVC. Fun story. I we haven't been here to to kill, so I'll tell it. Uh, he was uh, he, among the things he sold at QVC were camcorders, and he had access, thanks to the fact that QVC was owned by Comcast at the time, to videotape underneath the basket at a Sixers game. So this is 2000, and Matt Geiger, bald as beautiful, is on the Sixers, and literally. One of the plays, he comes running over underneath the basket to where Steve is as he's videotaping everything, and give him credit, he kept the shot going the whole damn time. Geiger runs right, floors Steve right over while he's sitting on the sideline and breaks his nose. But he kept the shot going. He kept the camera shot, so you've got to give him props there. That was props. But, Absolutely. Uh, but he, he broke, broke his nose, nose, Matt. He broke his nose, and he got to, he got to see Pat Croce, and he's like, Hey, I, you don't feel great, do you? You have a broken nose. I feel great, and you can too. Now, what, now look at what Pat Roach is doing. He's a pirate man. He's a pirate tycoon in Florida. Arg, matey. How the mighty have fallen. He's not my main man. No, he's not. All right, well, that's it for Wednesday. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Uh, tune in on Friday. Not sure yeah. what time we're going to be here, but we will be here Friday, and we yeah. will announce it on our Twitter account, but we're going to make a special guest announcement for an upcoming show. So Big, big announcement coming up, and you're going to enjoy this show. 
Oh. Does everyone enjoy that show? We can say it's going to be later this month. I think we can it's, say that it's, much. it's going to be in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be the uh, the last day of October, and it's going to be a good, good one. I'm looking forward to it. Femtoba. Absolutely. So for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Ragus, and we'll see you all Friday. Until next time, America. <laughs>